welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's April 2nd, 2022, and this is episode 84. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. New in theaters, we've got a couple movies that have already opened, and then a couple movies that are going to be opening soon. First up is The Lost City. This opened in theaters on March 25th. This is a romantic action comedy from Paramount Pictures. It's directed by Aaron Nee and Adam Nee. It stars Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Sandra Bullock plays a romance novel author, and uh, her her books have the same handsome cover model who's played in the movie by Channing Tatum. And they're on a, a book tour, and Loretta gets kidnapped by an eccentric billionaire who's played by Daniel Radcliffe, who hopes that she can lead him to the ancient lost city's treasure from her latest story. Um, Alan, or you know, the Channing Tatum character, wanting to prove that he can be a hero in real life and not just on the pages of her books, sets off to rescue her. And so the two of them are thrown into this epic jungle adventure, uh, and they have to you know learn how to work together to survive the elements and find this ancient treasure before it's lost forever. Uh, I have not yet seen this movie, but it's on my list. It looks like it's pretty fun, and the people that I've talked to have seen it have uh, enjoyed it. Nothing groundbreaking, but they said it's it's just a lot of fun. So The Lost City is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association for violence and some bloody images. Suggestive material, partial nudity, and language. Sounds pretty saucy. Uh, next one is Morbius, which opened up yesterday, April 1st. No fooling. Although I kind of wish I were fooling. Uh, it's a horror comic book movie from Columbia Pictures. It's directed by Daniel Espinoza. And Morbius is based on a Marvel Comics character. This happens to be a character that Sony Pictures currently is licensed to use. They call it the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel Characters. Uh, the main one of these is Spider-Man. You know, Sony Pictures is the one who's putting out the Spider-Man movies still based on a license that they, or a deal that they created with Marvel way before uh, um, the Walt Disney Company purchased uh, Marvel and and really, uh, and, and Marvel Studios, you know, their own, you know, before Marvel created their own uh, motion picture uh, division, but anyway, I, I I digress. This movie is about Doctor Michael Morbius, who is a biochemist turned bloodsucker. Uh, after years of experimentation to eliminate his rare blood disease, Morbius gained a cure and an acute case of vampirism. You know what a downer. Um, the side effects, you ask, uh, enhanced senses and aversion to light and an insatiable thirst for blood. Also. Morbius can't be felled by any mystical objects, I guess like a crucifix or whatnot, um, as he's more scientific than supernatural. Uh, this film has uh, Jared Leto playing the title character. Also, It also stars Matt Smith, Jared Harris, and Tyrese Gibson. Uh, I think it looks absolutely horrible. <laughs> so I'm going to... It's a hard pass for me on, on uh, Morbius... 
but hopefully fans are are uh, are happy with it. Morbius is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association for intense sequences of violence, some frightening images, and brief strong language. All right, opening up next Friday, April 8th, is Sonic the Hedgehog 2, if you can believe that. Uh, this is a comedy video game movie from Paramount Pictures. It's directed by Jeff Fowler. So this is based on the classic Sega video game, Sonic the Hedgehog. And uh, also, it's a sequel. I mean, you know, hence the number two on the, in the title. Uh, of course, you know, no duh. Uh, to a film that was released in 2020. Uh, you know, so it's a live action CGI hybrid film. Uh, Sonic, of course, is, you know, is, is animated, but he's done, rendered it in a 3D style and, and, and it's put in a, you know, kind of a real, real world um, setting. So uh, Sonic is voiced by uh, comedian Ben Schwartz. Uh, Dr. Robotnik, who is the big villain, is played, uh, you know, live action, of course, with lots of makeup and uh, probably some CGI, too, by uh, Jim Carrey. Uh, Dr. Robotnik has a new partner named Knuckles, who looks like kind of a Sonic, uh, same kind of, you know, hedgehog character. Uh, he's voiced by Idris Elba. And then also Sonic is helped out by his sidekick Tails, who's voiced by Colleen O'Shaughnessy. Um, I'm absolutely clueless. I, I just don't have any information about this film because I didn't see the, two, or the 2020 film. And I have really no intention to see this one. So uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is, about, I guess you should say, in its defense, I, I, I read like pretty good reviews about that one in 2020. And maybe this one's going to be fun too. Uh, just, you know, not my thing, but I hope I hope fans are going to be happy with it. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for action, some violence, rude humor, and mild language. All right, then opening up on April 15th, and hopefully I have another podcast out by then, but just in case, uh, on April 15th is uh, coming to theaters is Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. This is a fantasy adventure film from Warner Brothers. It's directed by David Yates, and it's the latest adventure in the Wizarding World uh, franchise created by J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling also wrote the screenplay for this film, and this if this this is the third film in this Fantastic Beasts uh, series. Uh, Professor Albus Dumbledore, who who is played by Jude Law, knows the powerful Doc Wizard uh, Gellert Grindelwald, who is played uh, now by Mads Mikkelsen, is moving to seize control of the Wizarding World. Unable to stop him alone, he entrusts. Newt Scamander, and I'm probably saying it wrong, sorry, who's played by Eddie Redmayne, who's been like the main character in these Fantastic Beast films, um, to lead an intrepid team of wizards, witches, and one brave muggle on a dangerous mission where they encounter old and new beasts and clash with Grindelwald's growing legion of followers. So uh, I, I saw, I've seen all the Harry Potter films, and... You know, from from the classic Harry Potter series, I saw this first Fantastic Beast films, and I absolutely hated it. So I passed on the sequel because it just it looked awful. It looked awful too. So, 
sorry, I'm not being very helpful today <laughs> with uh, these films. Uh, I do have to say that David Yates, I think, is a good director, and he's directed, you know, he directed some of the Harry Potter films, and uh, you know, hopefully, we can, hopefully it's going to be good. I think some of the recasting that they've done sounds sounds interesting, and. Hopefully, J.K. Rowling is improving as a screenwriter. Honestly, I think one of the things for me, uh, I just didn't love the screenplay that she wrote for that first Fantastic Beast film. And but good for her. I mean, hello, she wrote a screenplay, so that's awesome. And and uh, she wrote this one, and you know, this is her baby. This, you know, she's in. This is all coming out of her out of her mind. So. I hope I hope that the film is good and that that again that fans are going to be happy. So, Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association for some fantasy action and violence. So to recap, uh, The Lost City, which is which opened a couple weeks ago, is 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 uh, in in theaters. Morbius uh, opened up yesterday. Sonic the Hedgehog two. Opens April 8th. And Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore opens in theaters on April 15th. wanted to do a quick recap of the 2022 Oscars ceremony or really just you know when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock I mean what in the world uh that was such a bad deal and I was so I guess I was disappointed in both of them but mostly in Will Smith I mean Chris Rock's humor is Chris Rock's humor you know and it was I thought it, it was in really poor taste of course, for Chris Rock to make fun of some of a medical condition, uh, you know, specifically referring to Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, her alopecia uh, diagnosis that she received, and therefore her, you know, her bald head. But Will Smith was just out of control. I mean, that was that was so horrible. I watched the Sarah. I was watching the Academy Awards with some friends, and actually, honestly, like two minutes before this happened, we were commenting to each other that this was actually really fun. You know, I was worried about these the three hosts. I thought it was going to be nothing but you know crass jokes, and of course, there was there was some of that. But overall, it was pretty fun, and they were moving it in a nice clip, and they had a beautiful stage, and just everything about it. Was just I thought it was I thought it was going great, and then holy cow, this bizarro incident hap- happens, and again I was just really disappointed. I think Will Smith is person is someone that uh, you know an actor that I've liked, and he did great work, of course, in King Richard, and then of course he won the Academy Award just a few minutes later. I kept wondering if they were going to escort him out, but then I'm also like, well, he's going to, you know, he's the favorite to, you know, person to win. And he did win. And his acceptance speech was, I thought was stupid, but as you've probably read, uh, you know, Will Smith has, uh, resigned from the motion picture Academy and he's, and he's apologized. I'm sure, you know, he worked with his lawyers and his legal, you know, legal team or whatever to come up with these apologies. But, 
uh, I just thought it was it, it was in such poor taste. Showed no no self control, no class. I mean, again, the joke was in bad taste, no question about that. But you know, there were a lot of things I think he could have done to express his dissatisfaction rather than walking up on the stage and then just slapping him the way he did. Um, so offensive, so horrible. And then the, I think also for, for me, the big downer was it just put, it it wrecked the rest of the night. And so these other people that should have had a great moment, including Serena and Venus Williams, who were there, and, you know, in this movie about them and their dad, uh, it was all overshadowed. By, by Will Smith's horrible behavior. I was really disappointed, you know, right after, uh, right after, well, if it was, it was what Chris Rock was there to, to uh, introduce, but uh, Questlove, who, whose documentary, The Summer of Love, I mean, The uh, Summer of Soul, sorry, took, you know, took the Oscar for Best Documentary Feature. Again, nobody was paying attention to that. Everybody was so freaked out, probably himself included. Summer of Soul is such a great film, and and I hope that everybody will see it. But uh, again, yeah, just very, very, very disappointed and 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 uh, frankly disgusted. So as far as the as far as just the, again the, the awards go, I was overall quite happy with 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 the way that the awards panned out. You know, Coda for winning Best Picture, I, I was very happy with it. I saw Coda at Sundance. This it was the virtual Sundance Film Film Festival of 2021, and I just loved it. And I guess for me, I'm kind of surprised, frankly, just by Coda. Be in that it's such a positive film, and it seems just again because it's so positive, it seems very anti Sundance because Sundance I think is often just so programmed with stuff that's negative or shocking, uh, or you know provocative. Rather than just something that's just really good, uh, and and so that made me really happy, you know, that it Coda did as well as it did at Sundance, and then for it to get the acceptance that it did and, and the recognition that it did, that made me happy too. Because frankly, I thought that everything was going to go to the to the film The Power of the Dog. Now I saw The Power of the Dog, you know, I saw all the all the films. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, my handle's at movies p a p, uh, you know, as in past and present. Um, but I had put, you know, kind of like these little mini reviews of each of the, of the best films nominated for best picture. And the power of the dog was the one I, I, I liked the least. I can understand. I mean, it's very well made. And I think that Jane Campion, that was, you know, for her to get best director, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm okay with that because she, she made it, you know, it was a very well-made film. I just didn't like the movie, uh, you know, just, just again, slow, depressing subject matter was, um, you know, everything was just not, just not, 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 not for me. But um, the, uh, the again, the coda won out was 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 pretty cool. I of course wanted West Side Story to win everything because uh, that was my favorite movie of the year. But but uh, Ariana DeBose, who won best supporting actress. I thought that was really cool because uh, as you may recall, the, the uh, original West side story film, uh, Rita Moreno won that 
same award, you know, best best supporting actress. And she was there. Rita Moreno was there at the ceremony, and Ariana gave her a shout out, and that was that was a classy moment before everything, you know, before the slap scene around the world that just kind of uh, wrecked the, the the rest of the night. Um, a couple of interesting things too. I, I thought that the best international feature, which was Drive My Car, that that was worthy. You know, Drive My Car also was nominated for just Best Picture generally, and I didn't think it was necessarily good enough to win Best Picture. But it's a it's it's a very interesting film, uh, and so I was glad it won. And then I was also very happy happy that uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios in Canto won Best Animated Film. I think a lot of people were rooting for the film uh, The Mitchells versus the Machines. Which is a good film. I mean, it's it's a very it's a very solid, you know, extremely well made, good film. It's on Netflix. Uh, but I don't know. There, I thought there was really something extra special about Encanto too, and people were talking about how animation is just for kids. Uh, clearly, animation is a very wonderful medium for kids, but it's it's a great medium just for, for for great storytelling and you know in the in, in the right hands and and uh Disney made a great film with Encanto so I was happy that it won the I think the one disappointment that I had that Encanto didn't win in any of the music categories um which is a bummer but um Hans Zimmer won I think for best score for Dune and you know he's a legend and then uh Billie Eilish won best song for for the song that she and her brother wrote for uh no time to die the james bond movie so good for them but i was still hoping that lynn Lin manuel miranda would would have won in that category but uh anyway uh oscars um uh, what a train wreck but i still had fun watching uh those films and if you if you want a bit of recap uh uh, visit my Instagram feed again. Uh, I'm at movies P A P. All right, classic cinema corner. Uh, happy to to uh, share the news that the great musical scene in the rain is going to be on the big screen. On April 10th and 13th this month, it's part of the Turner Classic Movies Big Screen Classics series, and uh, so it'll be playing uh, once or twice on April 10th and again on April 13th. Uh, check your local listings. I'll I'll have I'll have a, a link to this website on the uh, in the podcast notes on my blog, but it's fathomevents.com/tcm. We'll, we'll take you there. And, uh, you know, what's not to like about singing in the rain? It's, it's, it's considered, I think, by many to be one of the finest Hollywood musicals ever made. And I would, I would concur. And any chance I can get to see this on any size screen, I take. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited to check out singing in the rain on the big screen. And I hope that if you have, if you've never seen it on the big screen, you really owe your owe it to yourself to to uh, do that. So again, fathomevents.com slash TCM, and again, I'll, and I'll also have the, uh, uh, the link in the podcast notes on my blog. Uh, speaking of classics on the big screen, Turner Classic Movies is 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 going ahead this year with their Classic Film Festival. 
this film festival has not been held the past two years due to the pandemic, but it's back April 21st through 24th in Hollywood. Uh, this is headquartered at both the, the uh, TCL Chinese Theater there in Hollywood and then at the Roosevelt Hotel, which is right across the street. It's where they have a lot of um, stuff that's like the kind of the, like the official hotel or the, or the festival headquarters. And then they uh, screen films also in there's a multiplex of six theaters that uh, is just right adjacent to the Chinese theater in the what was formerly known as the Hollywood and Highland shopping area. It's now been it's been acquired by another company. They've renamed it to it's called Ovation. I'm interested in checking this out. It looks like they've been making some improvements to them all. I mean, I really they really needed they really needed to. But also, again, speaking of the Academy Awards, the Dolby Theater is there in that complex. That's where they hold the Academy Awards, and they aren't doing any events in in that theater for uh, for the TCM Classic Film Festival. But still, it's it's cool that it's just right there. Um, there's also going to be screen a screening across the street at the El Capitan Theater as part of this film festival, and then. Um, the Hollywood Legion has this great theater that's that's a couple blocks away too. That's going to be part of the film festival. Anyway, I'll put up uh, again. I'll have the this website in in the podcast notes on my blog. Supposedly there's a few tickets left, but it's four days of old movies on the big screen, and they show a lot of they show a lot of movies. There's like four movies to pick from, uh, you know, at any at any given time, and. Uh, they cross a lot of different genres and varieties, time periods. Each one of the films is introduced by usually one of the TCM hosts. And then, uh, if possible, they bring someone in who's either worked on the film or has some kind of or a film historian or somebody that can, that can introduce it and provide some context to it. It's just one of the greatest experiences if you're a classic movie lover. So... So excited about the Turner Classic Movie Classic Film Festival. Uh, again, April 21st through 24th. Um, the website says that limited tickets are still available. So if you, you don't want to tr- try to do a last-minute thing, uh, again, you can check out the, the, uh, the link in the podcast notes on my blog. Well, that does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present podcast. Again, links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I'm also on Google Podcasts and Stitcher. Uh, Links are also on the blog. And as I've already mentioned, follow me on Instagram. My handle is at moviespap. Put a lot of content out there on Instagram. As always, I hope you will enjoy some good movies this week whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth.